Hello, everyone, and welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than the dark pools of sweet baby Grogu's eyes into genre entertainment and the fandom it inspires. Today, it's a bonus episode. We're talking about The Mandalorian Season 3 final trailer just dropped last night, of course, during an NFL game because we all love sports so much. The show comes out March 1st on Disney+. Plus. But we're talking about everything that's happening in the trailer and what we think is going to happen going forward in season three of The Mandalorian. To do that with me are the hosts of the hottest podcast in the land, the, <laughs> the newest Star Wars podcast, A Talk of the Clones. Hey. This is not self-serving at all, but please welcome Stephanie Cole and Allison Cole, your hosts of A Talk of the Clones. Hello. Hello. We're here. Hi. You're two real yeah, life clones. You cleared your calendars from the from the Talk of the Clones press tour to to be here today. Yeah, very busy, busy calendar. We uh, just launched a Talk of the Clones yesterday on the feed on our channel. Stephanie and Allison will be going through and talking about the Bad Batch to start. Who knows? They might do more going forward, but for now, it's Bad Batch season two conversation. There's a lot of stuff about clones that can be talked about. Look forward to that. I don't. It's weird to ask people to like ask you to talk about a talk of the clones because it's literally like our our show but like um do you want to tell people a little bit about what it is and how it came to be sure uh well basically allison and i um i mean you all know me from the star wars episodes of this show but allison and i are identical twins that love star wars equally and are kind of just a big star wars hive mind um and we've been thinking about talking about star wars from like a little bit of a clone perspective uh, for a while now because we're clones. We like the clones. Yeah. Bad Batch is our favorite. Um, yeah. So Especially yeah, this was- after Bad Batch came out last year and it basically took over our entire summer <laughs> that we kind of had the idea that we needed to focus on this because it felt like the niche for us. Yeah, we totally. Love the clones. We love Bad Batch. This is what we do anyway, whether we're recording or not, is just talk about clones and talk about the Bad Batch. I mean, and we figured it'd be a great way to incorporate some Bad Batch coverage into Best Ones is the next one and just share our love of clones and our Star Wars kind of chaotic vibe and just like, you know, have some fun talk, talking Star Wars. A little behind the scenes uh, trivia. We weren't even recording for the podcast. I just snuck in with a microphone into their room and that's what came out of it. So It's basically, <laughs> that, I mean, that's, yeah. that's true. <laughs> that would be Might that. Might as well be. Might it just well. happened to have an intro and an outro that had yeah. to do with the show. It was really weird. So, um, <laughs> Bad Batch was so yesterday. Today, we're talking about the new hot Star Wars thing. We're here to talk about the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer that just came out. I was telling you guys this before we started recording, but I've already broken two podcast New Year's resolutions. I don't want to do less Star Wars content. I just want to focus on other things more and, mm-hmm. and move around more. Already broke that. <laughs> like instantly doing way way more Star Wars stuff. And then fewer trailer reactions already broke that. But you have to when it's the Mandalorian. Star Wars doesn't let us rest. So blame Star Wars. They're the ones who are like, okay, you thought, John, but we're going to come out with. <laughs> They're like, we heard John wants to do less Star Wars content. Uh, we better they just turn, turn the dial up. Oh, he thinks he's not doing trailer reactions. Let's see about this. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we, we lost one. Um <laughs> We've gathered here today to talk about Mandalorian Season 3. It is the final trailer to be released, I think, probably before the new season comes out. I'm not sure why I think that's the case, but it feels very final and very much like a thesis statement for the actual season itself. Overall impressions when you first saw it, Allison, we'll start with you. Well, I'm very excited about 
all of the Mandalorian stuff. That's definitely going to be my area of interest. I think that um, that's always been the part that I wanted them to explore more. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that we're going to Mandalore is something that's exciting to me. I know it wasn't in this trailer, but we saw in the teaser from that came out during Celebration that we're going to get more Bo-Katan and like the Death Watch stuff and Darksaber, I'm sure, is going to be a factor. So that stuff I'm really excited about. A lot of the rest of it, I just couldn't really... I mean, I was very excited for, for the visuals, but I couldn't really get an idea of what was going on. We saw some Jedi stuff, which was really unusual. I was like, is that a flashback or... How is that going to be incorporated? Because there was stuff that looked like it was going on in the Jedi Temple. So I'm assuming there's going to be flashbacks. I don't know how that's going to connect to things. Um, I got excited seeing Grogu flexing his force powers more confidently. That's going to be really fun to see. Without falling asleep. Yeah. And it, it felt kind of like the biggest impression I got is that it was really leaning more into sort of the lone wolf and cub kind of format of like the first season but getting more into the groove of it with the the duo of you know din and grogu kind of being this this power duo sure I don't know. that seems like it's going to kind of really be focus of those two characters and now that we're like less like oh what's going to happen is he going to give grogu back is he going to keep him like we kind of that's more of a settled done deal. It does seem like a combination of the first and second seasons like mashed together in terms of Mm -hmm. their bond versus the sweeping storytelling, like the more expansive epic storytelling of it. Because it seems the trailer itself, like you said, not really getting a handle on it. I feel like previous two seasons, well, I guess not season one so much because we had no idea what the Mandalorian was going to be about. But season two, you could kind of piece it together based on what you know from Rebels and what you know about the story thus far in the Mandalorian itself, but you're absolutely right. Like there's only one aspect of it that I could really kind of piece together. And that's like partially what's going on in Navarro. That was like the only continuous through line. Everything else is like every shot is on a different planet in a different part of space. It just seemed all over the place in, in the best way possible. So how about you, Stephanie? What did you think? I mean, yeah, I think I was, my first impression was like the scope looks really big this season. I was absolutely delighted to see Coruscant anything Coruscant related is my bag I'm obsessed and I just we've never seen Coruscant in this time period on screen before and I think that's a really interesting place to explore like what's going on here why is Pershing here anything Coruscant I'm all about um and I just think it looks like they're yeah they're kind of done with the big question of like are is Mando going to commit to being Grogu's dad or is he going to like pass him off to someone else and it seems like we're actually like now we're going to focus on bigger questions like what's the future of Mandalore what's going on with the Republic what's happening with the Pershing thing I think that's and and like that flashback looks like we might be going right into like more of Grogu's backstory and what's his whole deal so I think that's going to be cool Um, yeah I'd forgotten that in Book of Boba Fett that we did get that Order 66 flashback from his point of view. So that was jarring to see that in the trailer itself, but also like really cool. Like, oh yeah, maybe we'll get to actually figure out who rescued him or what happened. I have a couple of theories about that once we get into the actual trailer itself. Here's a question for you. Is that Coruscant or is that Hosnian Prime? Oh my God. 
Because you know what I mean? Because at first I was like, oh, yeah, Coruscant. But then there's like the deleted scenes from The Force Awakens where – because like in The Force Awakens where they just blow up three random planets and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I guess I was supposed to care about that. (laughs) Uh, And the deleted scenes, they show the planet and the the buildings look very Hosnian Prime-ish. And we haven't really – but like again, still cool because we haven't seen any kind of like centralized city location. It's all been like outer rim, western, like outlaw – wild west type places yeah but yeah i mean it could it could be either or if you yeah. compare the skyline of that it's like very hosnian prime looking but was it hosnian prime was at least the center of the um republic at the time of the force awakens but this is a little before that i hope it's coruscant because coruscant's my my fave but like i'm i'm cool i love any sort of city planet so i mean yeah. i think it would be interesting to see hosnian prime on screen because it's so short it's given such short shift in The Force Awakens. Like, you <laughs> yeah. see it for one second before it explodes. We all and thought it was read. Coruscant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, did they just blow up Coruscant? <laughs> yeah. In the sequel trilogy, they did a really bad job of, like, telegraphing what planets they were. I didn't. I had no idea that was Mustafar in mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker until, like, yeah. I read the visual dictionary. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess that was Mustafar. You know, I just thought Hosnian Prime because Pershing – you know, at the, at the end of season two was helping them get on Moff Gideon's ship. And I figured he was, he might be like working, quote unquote, working for the New Republic now, but doing some shady dealings, but remains to be seen. But it was cool to see him being like taxied around by a little droid. And that's actually a good segue to this part, because that was one part when it showed him flying like that, where I was like, uh oh, is how immaculately crafted and created Andor was going to be something that's detrimental to the future of the Mandalorian. I had that concern, like watching Andor where I was like, "Uh Oh, is this too good? Like this might be too good. (laughs) Some of the stuff in the trailer was very charming, but I was like, Oh man, that looks kind of rough. But then the rest of it looked amazing. Do you, either of you have any concerns about quality of the look of it or the storytelling going forward in like a post Andor world after we go back to that? Or is it even going back if the scope of the series is so epic and huge like this? Is it just a different method of storytelling? Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I do have thoughts on that. I don't know. You know, I I thought the exact same thing when I was watching Andor that I felt like Andor kind of just elevated the expectation of quality of Star Wars live action television in terms of storytelling and writing and performance and yeah maturity of storytelling but not like in a like annoying boom boom so edgy and badass but like you know in a like expecting mature interaction with slow burn storytelling but also like just the the visuals of it looked so like flawlessly cinematic that while there were people mentioned some issues that they had with like stuff on Star Wars live action shows with the volume and stuff looking a little sound stagey. And I never really noticed it until mm-hmm. I saw Andor. Sure. And then like, it was the contrast that made, like, I never really thought, I never really thought it was a problem before. I was like, yeah, no, they look great to me. And then I saw Andor and then I was like, no wait, this <laughs> looks exactly. amazing. <laughs> and it was kind of similar to like with the, the, even the storytelling aspect where I was like, these were great. I don't see anything wrong with this and then i see andor and then i'm like oh my god wait a second uh scratch that uh this is where it's at so oh that is kind of a problem when you have something that's literally like one of the best seasons of television full stop that i've ever seen star wars notwithstanding like andor that's gonna be a hard act to follow and i was thinking that about 
I mean, everyone loves the Mandalorian. It's like crazy popular. I love the Mandalorian, but like it did grip me. It never gripped me. I thought it gripped me, but watching Andor, I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> this is gripping me. So I don't know. It's my number one thought when I was watching Andor was I really hope that this sets a bar that further Star Wars live action storytelling continues to follow. Right. Because otherwise there's going to be a noticeable difference. And it's not, this is not me saying I thought Mandalorian ever sucked or I ever didn't love Mandalorian, but it's just like compared to Andor Mandalorian felt like Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. I would think that hopefully that, you know, while these things are all in production at various times that they're in conversation with each other. Yes. Behind the scenes, but also in the story department of we can't go back because the bar has been set by this amazing show now i don't you know and i love the mandalorian i think the first two seasons of it so far have been amazing and i love visiting them and i love that saturday morning cartoon aspect to it i do love how over the top goofy it can be and how wild it can be and how like that's star wars and that's the star wars Mm -hmm. i grew up loving is the guys in rubber suits getting blasted out of a cave by grogu like that's awesome i can't wait for that i I just wonder how it's going to feel going back to the over the top. It was a little bit jarring, and it went and it went away. The more I watched the trailer, I watched the trailer like like ten times. Mm-hmm. The more I watched it, the more I was like, okay, this is just this universe. It's the same mm-hmm. shared, obviously, like full Star Wars universe, but this is this color palette. This is this medium. Yeah, Mandalorian stories are told like this, and our stories are told like this. I, I'm on record on the show as saying that I didn't think Obi Wan looked the greatest. But in the back of my head, I was like, well, a lot of it was shot during COVID, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then I realized that so was Andor. Um, yeah. And that's not to say I'm not excited about The Mandalorian Season 3 because I'm, I'm, I'm over the moon for it. I mean, I think another thing that I'm kind of approaching it as is I feel the same way. I, I kind of imagine that the bar that's been set by Andor for the tone of Star Wars storytelling going forward – might be it might be more fair to kind of expect it of like brand new Star Wars stories, sure. like yeah. new series that are coming down the pike, like things we don't mm-hmm. know about yet, like Great point. Um, things like the Acolyte, which we know almost nothing about. It would be really exciting to see something that felt more like Andor coming from the Acolyte. I almost feel like it's it would be amazing if everything going forward felt exactly like Andor for me, but it would also mm-hmm. be kind of odd if the tonal shift of Mandalorian like happened mid season. <laughs> really weird for me. Right, yeah. Cause it's that's, already that's kind of established itself as having this more fun, a little bit more, you know, weekly adventure kind of tone to it sure, with some yeah. really kind of exceptionally good episodes thrown in there. I mean, and I mean that like it, it has some really great stuff and I'm kind of excited that I think we'll, we'll probably mention this later that it looks like Rick Fumiyawa is going to be doing more, as an executive producer, if I'm incorrect about that. Yeah, no, he's going to be doing more of that. And the thing that hopefully means is that he's going to be directing more episodes. And something that I was always saying to Stephanie when we were watching Andor was that um, he directed um, The Believer. That was him, right? That episode of The Mandalorian, I always considered one of the best episodes of Star Wars TV, like, period. And I was always saying to Stephanie that that to me felt like an episode of Andor before Andor came out. And then Andor came out and suddenly every episode of Andor was that good. But when it was just The Mandalorian, I was always looking at that episode as just like such a masterful singular episode. 
And that was Rick Fumiyawa. So maybe he is going to be able to reach that level a little bit more frequently if he's doing more directing, because that episode I still think of and think, well, that one was as good as Andor, in my opinion. If everything's Andor, nothing's Andor, right? That's, That's the like problem. Yeah, you don't want everything. Yeah. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa is like like that from season one. The child, the second episode is um, that's one of my favorite Star Wars things ever because it has the goofiness and the insanity of like shooting Jawas with a disintegration rifle, but then it also has this really powerful force based ending where you first find that Grogu can use the force and lifts the mudhorn in the air, which becomes the basis for everything. Mm. So you know this is really just probably just concern trolling because it's it's the Mandalorian and it's really not failed me so far. Um, And I am hyper invested in it. Like not as much as I was in Andor after the fact, but I just love those two so much. Like when they first appeared back in book of Boba Fett, I was like, I missed you guys. I missed, Mm -hmm. I missed my buddies. Like it'll be nice to have them back in the spotlight completely. So should we get into the trailer itself? Let's do it. So the trailer opens a group of Mandalorians walking across some rocky out- outcroppings. Some rocky outcroppings. Uh, we hear Din say, Our people are scattered like stars in the galaxy. What are we? What do we stand for? Which is clearly like a statement of intent for the season itself, right? It's mm-hmm. like this is the thesis statement for what season three is going to be about. How do we push this order of Mandalorians forward from this cult-like upbringing of Din or like the Death Watch upbringing of Bo? And I thought it was interesting that it looked like Pre Vizsla was with Din. Pre Vizsla, you know, the last time we saw him was in Book of Boba Fett and they'd rejected each other. Like he called him a traitor, basically. He's clearly rallying the troops. The next shot is the N1 Starfighter shooting through hyperspace. We've seen this before in previous trailers with Grogu staring out in awe from his little trouble popper <laughs> bubble on yeah. top of the N1. <laughs> Din is saying, Being a Mandalorian is not just learning about how to fight. You also have to know how to navigate the galaxy. That way, you'll never be lost. The implication is that it's an actual navigation of the galaxy, like through flying or through transportation, et cetera, et cetera. But it seemed more like Dim was talking to Grogu in this moment of you have to know how to navigate people and others and friends and different orders around you to to find your way through the galaxy. And if you can do that, if you can find your way through with these friends around you, then you'll never be lost. I, I don't know. If it didn't seem as literal to me as in that yeah. moment. Very, yeah, definitely seem to be sort of building more on that statement of theme. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the tonal and thematic motivation of this season is in the, those first, that voiceover, whether it's all the same conversation mm-hmm. or not. Right. Because, you know, Grogu chose that life. He's about that life. <laughs> the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. like he yeah. chose the um, chose the chainmail and chose mm-hmm. to be with Din. So clearly he's picked a side. But I wonder if they'll still find a way to mesh the two, you know, like where he can be both Jedi and Mandalorian under a new creed. The more I talk about it, I'm the more pumped up I'm getting just, mm-hmm. just talking about it even right now. So Din and Grogu returned to a thriving Navarro. It was a nice little callback with the uh, Kowaki and monkey lizard on the tree. Cause remember in season one, he was like the spit roast 
yeah. at the beginning. So it's He's like, free. Oh, this is progress. You don't, you're not, we're not going to cook you and eat you in the streets anymore. Yeah. Let's imagine it's the same one. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> they brought him back. They put his skin back on and unroasted yeah. him. Yeah. But Grief Karga is all about that progress. So, mm-hmm. um, and speaking of grief, we see him in the next scene uh, looking real good, by the way. He's a magistrate or mayor of Navarro at this point. And then shakes hands with Din. In the background, there's an IG-11 memorial with his foot like stepping on top of a pile of stormtrooper helmets, which I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. Passage of time in Mandalorian is something that I haven't really wrapped my head around yet because mm-hmm. Navarro seems to be like Sim City on like maximum setting. It just is like... <laughs> upgraded every time you see it yeah i'm wondering where they get this this cash flow because it really seems like they're doing a lot of like work it's like lisa's tooth in that episode of uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> yeah. the treehouse of horror episode yeah, yeah where every time she checks back it's evolved like another century or so <laughs> maybe we're all just on a giant base whale tooth it's, it's like a saint elsewhere ending the Star Wars. That's the Wills. The Wills yeah, the all Wills. have it in a little a little cup of Coca-Cola with a tooth in it. <laughs> <laughs> we cracked the code. We, we did it. We've, you heard it here first. When it ends up being like a turtles all the way down situation, but on a giant Maybe tooth of a space like, whale. How do they know? How do they know? <laughs> I should have telegraphed it. The M1 Starfighter flying through a rainstorm, presumably to, to meet up with Bo-Katan, because remember in the previous, previous trailer, she's... Um, looking very emo, standing by rainy window on Mandalore oh, yeah. or like mm-hmm. whatever throne room she's in. I really thought that this trailer like de-emphasized the Bo-Katan of it all. Yeah, she wasn't in it, was she? I didn't see her. She was for, I think, like one second, like sitting sitting on the throne. Or maybe I'm just projecting that. I don't know. but Yeah, I don't remember seeing her, but she could have been though. Yeah, there was a lot of things that were conspicuously missing from the trailer itself. Bo-Katan, the Darksaber, Moff mm-hmm. Gideon. So I'm wondering if they're just big reveals so they, they don't want to show their hand or if it's not as consequential to the story going forward, if Moff Gideon's story is done. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't think so. I yeah, I hope not. Yeah, I don't think it would end so unceremoniously for him where he just gets like arrested and he's like, <laughs> I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you, man. <laughs> so, yeah, so we cut to Din again telling the armorer that he's heading to Mandalore to atone for the sin of removing his helmet. Do either of you believe this to be true? I really hope not. I thought he was done with these weirdos. I'm like, come on, Din. You don't need to do that anymore. I hope, I think maybe he's just fibbing, but why is he even bothering talking to these people anymore? Like, it's, See, that's, that's what I was what wondering. wondering. Yeah, I'm wondering yeah. if one of the major plot points of this season is kind of going to be like his cults deprogramming in a way, because we know that everybody else is like, oh yeah, that cult. And they're so out of step with like the general concept of Mandalorian culture. And yeah. Since this whole season is already like oh we're a people mandalore i'm going back to mandalore bows in it you know the dark saber is presumably coming back that he's gonna be spending a lot of time like rethinking and recalibrating what it means to be a mandalorian so that i hope so yeah i think that that's something that has slowly been happening over time but i really think it's time for him to finally ditch those those weirdos who are like oh my god i mean like take the helmet often yeah, like it's gotta be a focus. It's time. <laughs> it's time. To take the helmet off. That's my one thing for this season. Take the helmet off. Just take the damn helmet off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we want to see your face. Then Pedro Pascal can't go shoot the last of us if he has got the helmet off. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, should, it would just be so weird if he just continually strived to be part of that. I mean, I guess it's tough to I'm a recovering Catholic, so I, I get mm-hmm. what it's like to be like have something embedded in your in your head like that. You oh know? yeah. Mm-hmm. 
the guilt of leaving something, but like take the helmet yeah. off. Yeah, we see like that aerial shot of the burned out city of Sundari, which is the capital of Mandalore. I'm not really like a Mandalorian scholar. Was that also destroyed in the Night of a Thousand Tears? Was that part of it as well? Or the whole planet was, right? Pretty much like. Yeah, from what I gather, I mean, Mandalore was already in rough shape because of, you know, the wars in the past, which is why Satine was doing the whole no war thing. Yeah, they um, basically had the whole planet. I mean, the the city was like under this big dome, wasn't it? Oh yeah. yeah, multiple domes, right? Or no? Yeah, yeah. Yes. But but I think that it's even more bombed out, and I think that's probably the night of a thousand tears. Gotcha. Because yeah. I think that basically what we're seeing now looks like the bombed out shell of one of those big domes that held most of the city. So I think the implication is that a lot of that happened during whatever the night of a thousand tears refers to. Mandalore and I both have a lot of common right now because we're both bombed out. Um, <laughs> I would have to do a lot of like uh, like Mandalore rewatches of stuff before. That might be a good episode, actually. He's going through and talking about the yeah. the Manda dash lore of <laughs> of everything going on, so we can maybe maybe look forward to that going forward. We maybe maybe we'll do a whole episode on this whole storyline about the siege of Mandalore, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, like I said, less Star Wars episodes in twenty twenty three. So yeah. I will um, talk about those episodes of the Clone Wars any day, though. There you go. Great TV. We want to talk about like excellent TV? Maybe that's um, future a talk of the clones material. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, there's clones. It's the Clone Wars. <laughs> I remember one time in a lower moment, like getting in a f- comment fight about Star Wars when I said <laughs> it was in the, the build up to Rise of Skywalker about clones of Palpatine. Uh-huh. And it, this was this was during that time when like everyone wanted fucking everything to be about clones of Palpatine. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I was, yeah. <laughs> and I was so frustrated by it. And I said something like, when has Star Wars ever been about clones? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And I just got like, the, the internet just tore me in half. And then, lo and behold, Rise of Skywalker was about clones of Palpatine. Yeah. So. And it fucking was about clones of Palpatine. And I was like, no. <laughs> At least we didn't get Luke. Well, I wish we got Luke. In that <laughs> that case, would be actually really great. I would have loved that. W Luke. Yeah. Gotta love him. Triple U. Why not? Oh, triple U. <laughs> that's the, that's how they change it. Like That's how they bring it back in from yeah. uh, Legends canon is they just <laughs> yeah, add no, an extra. Yeah, it's not Luke. It's Luke. <laughs> this is a different thing. Yeah. Anyway. Back on Tatooine, we get R5 loaded into the droid port of the M1 Starfighter. Peli telling them very like, here's your sack lunch. May the force be with you. And like, as they're flying away, it's a very nice moment. Something's being celebrated on Tatooine. This is either like Mos Eisley or Mos Espa. Fireworks going on above it. Do you think it's like possibly a anniversary of the fall of the Empire? Is Boba Fett just like, fuck it. Shoot all the fireworks <laughs> off. This, like, I hope that's charge. it. I would love that. He's like, look at all these fireworks that the Hutts had stocked up for like the latest pod races. Let's just throw them all out and see what happens. I would love if this season just had like frequent, like, let's check in with what Boba's doing (laughs) on Tatooine. And it's just like gets more and more wild. And like the vibe is like Homer in like that episode again of like uh, Treehouse of Horror where he's like. Omega Man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Only that's like how man. uh, That's how like (laughs) he's at the church and the the sermon today. Homer is awesome. (laughs) Boba is. Boba is awesome. Boba is awesome. He's just dancing. (laughs) Yeah. In his little tidy whiteies from his. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's got his robe on still. Yeah. Just came out of his uh his back to bath. 
we, this is the part where we get to either Coruscant slash Hosnian Prime. It was just more jarring to see a populated urban center in the Mandalorian. Um, but Dr. Pershing being ferried around by um, a droid. Did you watch the, the version of this on Disney Plus? No, or it's different. Just, just I watched it on YouTube. It's got, it's got like three quick little scenes of it of Dr. Pershing at like a shipyard where they're, where they're stripping apart Star Destroyers. Hmm. Well, um, I don't think I saw that on the YouTube version. So what what do you think is yeah, it wasn't on there. They added it just for Disney Plus, I think. What is what is Pershing's deal? Any any guesses? I don't think he's Team Empire anymore, but like is he waffling? I'm not sure. Like, I'm sure that we're gonna be learning more about whatever this Imperial cloning situation is through him. But I'm just not sure what side he's on. Yeah. Or like what he's doing there. Is it like a triple cross? Is it like a could be long chess game of um of him getting close to some sort of like genetic material in a, in the capital so he can help with again this is where i'm at now in my life but with <laughs> helping to clone palpatine i uh, mean unfortunately for better or for worse <laughs> i think that's where all of this is going and mm-hmm. you know what it's all about just have to how they <laughs> stick how they stick the landing and they're kind of just do, have to live with it <laughs> they're doing some things with uh with Bad Batch, you know, from the end of season one, totally. with that weird cloning mm. place. So, like, it'd be pretty cool if it all came together. And, like, I, I'll i buy – I mean, like, I have to buy it. It's been sold to me. I bought it. Um, yeah. But – No returns. No returns. Uh, Palpatine clone could work for me uh, better if I think that they did some really cool stuff with how it all comes together. And I think if Bad mm. Batch and this do some cool stuff – I mean, that's the power of Star Wars storytelling outside of the movies. And this is always Mm -hmm. what works for me is like when something gets sort of overlooked or underdeveloped in the movies, it always can have the potential to be way more interesting in other things. Like I was going to say about Hosni and Prime, I don't care about Hosni and Prime. But when I was reading Bloodline, which is one of my I know. I was reading Bloodline, though, one of my absolute favorite Star Wars novels. And then I was like, oh, I really care about what's going on on Hosni and Prime. Like, this this actually matters to me. That would not and still doesn't happen in the movies. But now when I watch The Force Awakens and I see Hosni and Prime meet its end, I'm like a little bit more sad because I'm thinking about what I know about it and what it means through Bloodline. Mm-hmm. That can happen with other stuff too. So maybe I will start having more of a feeling about what this cloning program ends up being in The Rise of Skywalker if they do some really interesting stuff with it and things like this. See, that's the funny thing to me is like, like admittedly, I didn't start really appreciating and loving the prequels until the Clone Wars show filled in the gaps and like Dave Filoni being like, Oh, what George meant to say was this, like mm-hmm. here's all this going on. And like it smoothed it out. And it now makes me appreciate the storyline of those first three way more. Like the opposite thing is happening with the sequel trilogy where the more they add to it, the more just confusing it gets to me. There's just mm-hmm. so much extra. And I'm just wondering if there's going to be like a real aha moment where it ties a bow on it and everything kind of locks in and makes sense. My cynical take on that is that they engineered Rise of Skywalker to be purposely vague so they could make all these different story elements that fleshed it out with like a multimedia extravaganza. That's like my cynical capitalist take on why they did it. You can make that argument with the sequel trilogy as a whole. And I think that in part, that that's kind of what the tone was set with 
The Force Awakens was like, oh, we're doing really broad stroke Star Wars, so we mm. don't offend everybody and everybody's happy for mm. better or for worse. You know, totally. and I mean that's a whole other conversation, but I kind of see where you're coming from with that. It does. I happen. feel you there. Yeah, I feel like like I actually believe that that is part of it for sure. And one thing that I hope going forward is that future, because for me, I feel like the movies have been like good foundations for far superior Star Wars storytelling in other mediums uh, mm. in this new era, which I'm sure. not going to complain about because those other mediums have been so amazing. They've been my favorite Star Wars that I don't particularly care um whether i i'm like super taken by the cinematic stuff that's coming out i mean rogue one being the exception i mean i'm i'm hats off for solo for oh solo too yeah i love solo um forget solo i yeah i just feel like it's like that's i just hope going forward we have more movies that are like this is not trying to like just sort of set up a whole thing this is just a story that's not like an era of storytelling introduction instead you know what i mean like like it's all self-contained within the two-hour movie Um, that'd be great where it connects but it's like just about it's it's about what's happening in the movie not like 800 of the things Um, yeah that's that's solo that's why i loved solo so much it wasn't trying it was just like yeah it's a it's a han solo origin story but it's also just a movie with a beginning and a middle and an end solo is super underrated at this point yeah, I agree. I watched The Force Awakens recently with my boys and they loved it. And I usually love it too. But for some reason, I had just like this really cynical reading of it this time because all the mystery box stuff and all the questions just never got satisfactorily answered by anything. And I was like, Star Wars isn't like questions. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Star Wars isn't like mysteries to be solved. Anyway, this is a, a large tangent. But it so is. over this whole part, Carson Tiva says, There's something dangerous happening out there. By the time it becomes big enough for you to act, it'll be too late. Who do you think he's talking to and what do you think is happening out there? I don't know if he's talking to Din. It could be that could be a misdirect, but I I don't think he is either. He's definitely talking. I mean, I'm going to put my money on it. Some sort of imperial resurgence that he's talking about. Yeah, like very beginnings of the First Order. A great example of something that I thought was way more interesting when it got developed in things like Bloodline. Like, again, the First Order for me felt like way too broad strokes. (laughs) Oh, it's the Empire, but it's not the Empire. It's so well done in Bloodline, the way that it is this kind of phantom threat that the bureaucracy of the New Republic can't get behind or unite behind and it makes it feel so terrifying and you know pertinent and it was just so well done that then I started being like okay I understand what the point of the first order is that makes sense to me so again they could take that and roll with it in that kind of um, sense and it might be really really intriguing in the next shot we see someone you know you assume it's din but it could be Bo-Katan digging through um, the mines of Mandalore and pulling out a Mandalorian helmet. I think everyone's assuming that this season's setting up like a conflict between Bo and Din. But mm-hmm. I think there's the likelihood of something happening where he's like the reluctant leader and saying, I don't want to fight you. We're all the same people. And this is what happened to our people on our planet. This is the ash of our fallen bloodlines and families. And she would know about that firsthand, obviously. But like maybe them being on the same soil together of where everything fell apart for, for them um, and for the Mandalorians. Maybe maybe that kind of brings them together in a, like a unified front. I hope that they join forces because I think it'd be cool for like, it's one of my favorite parts of that Rebels season, the last season of Rebels where they like, you know, Mandalore unites and it's like, 
they just need to stop fighting each other. I just think yeah. it'd be rad. I think that maybe because she bow united Mandalore in the last season of Rebels, like maybe she'd be down to do it again. I don't think she's particularly, I mean, she's complicated and sometimes she's doesn't make the best choices but i mean sure. that'd be a cool i think that'd be a really cool way to upend it and see like what if the mandalorians like unite against you know the threat that took them down in the first place i was just saying that i think that the season is going to be either setting that up for whatever maybe a series kind of finale or denouement will be but it also could just be like the main plot of this season I tend to view the Mandalorian as what would the Star Wars universe look like if you swapped out Jedi for Mandalorians and the Force for like the Mandalorian Creed, how that looks and how that affects this group of people over the Jedi and how dogma really brings down societies, Jedi's overbearing dogma about no attachments and everything is what led to their downfall. And the strict aspect of not having the Mandalorian helmet on and this crazy cult vibe that caused Death Watch to exist and things like that. So like I said earlier, I need to brush up on my Mandalorian lore, but it just seems like we could be heading towards some sort of balance to the Mandalorians, like, you know, where the force is constantly in flux and needs to be balanced. It could be the same way with Mandalorians, where the Creed itself needs to have a, a happy medium for peace to exist and for unification to exist that's actually a good point because i hadn't really thought about the appeal of the mandalorian culture as like a part of star wars is that it's it's more secular and that the force isn't a factor but it still checks a lot of those same boxes of like a creed and a culture Mm -hmm. that is based around that creed that a lot of people associate with the jedi obviously they have the dark saber and like the first mandalorian jedi created the, the dark saber but the, yeah mostly it's a very forceless society and i think we're just seeing it from the the point of view of a forceless people and how they deal with balance you know so we'll see how if that's if that's part yeah. of it think about it through the, the lens of like how dave filoni thinks about star wars and it just kind of makes sense to me that way speaking of dave filoni thank you buddy for another order 66 flashback um <laughs> this time with added context you know we see these jedi that are awaiting this door about to blow open. I thought at first it could be Anakin, but it sparks and not like melting molten metal from a lightsaber coming through it. But, you know, it could still be the 501st coming through. And they did have Hayden for Obi-Wan Kenobi while these were all being shot. So you never know. It could be showing that Anakin was about to kill who was protecting Grogu. And that was that's what's on those Revenge of the Sith hollow feeds with Obi-Wan that he sees because he kills those Jedi and they're all very similar looking to the ones that are in this shot. The other thing is that um, if there's live action clones, that would oh, be totally. my heart happy. <laughs> like, I don't Easy even need that, action. Yeah. Like, I'm all about those clones. Spoken like a true clone. Yeah. And by the way, watch a talk of the clones. Or listen. <laughs> you mean, yeah, you mean listen. That's what I said. I had to change it. So <laughs> Watch Star Wars, listen, and talk to the clones. Really selling it, Allison. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next scene, we see TIE Interceptors chasing um, a Mandalorian ship. You know, I thought maybe this was Bo flying and Mando's flying point, like as a, a wingman for Bo-Katan and that Mandalorian cruiser. And then we have it, the money shot. It's yes. Din in the droid cantina, chock full of droids, all drinking from like French press looking oil cans mm-hmm. attached to their chests. 
There's three battle droids hanging out. Din's either fixing or threatening one of them with like a, a taser. This was something I rewound about 20 times because I was like, did I just see that? Something I never thought we were capable of in Star Wars is a, a cantina just for droids. But here we are. But it also kind of shows some cool progress for, for Din. If he's interrogating these droids, that's one thing. But, you know, he couldn't even be around droids before. So the other thing it reminded me of was, isn't there an, a, a plot line in Clone Wars with the droid spa? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Am I, am no, I imagining uh, that? So I was like, the droid's got a spa. It's like a repair place, but like it's a droid spa. And now I'm like, droid bar. Like, I, I can't wait to see all of the droid, like, you know, leisure activities. Well, I love <laughs> that droid. It reminded me of that droid in the Star Wars Visions in the episode, The Ninth Jedi, that's like drinking the oil out of the teacup. That was like my favorite bit from, just one oh, of my yeah. favorite little bits from that amazing series. Um, and that's what that reminded me of. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want more like droids on their break. You know, what do they do in their free time? And we also we just need more Star Wars recreation in general. I think about grief talking about the Twi'lek healing baths. There was that spa sauna in the deleted scenes of The Last Jedi that's like insane. And I really wish they kept it in the movie. It's just always good to see some leisurely activities in Star Wars. So but yeah, a droid. Remember when everyone was getting their helmets cleaned mm-hmm. in Boba Fett? Yep. <laughs> like, is that a thing? It's like going to get your nails done to get your helmet cleaned. These droids are getting their servos cleaned in like a back room. Only in Star Wars. In the next scene, we see that same shot that's been in all the trailers so far. But I never get sick of it. It's all the Mandalorians dropping out of the dropship onto what's pretty clearly oh, Navarro yeah. at this point. Clearly them like dropping in to fight those like Nikto Raiders that we saw in the previous trailer. Notably too, like that IG-11 statue that was there before is now destroyed or missing from that spot. Good eye. I didn't oh, notice no. that. First thought I had was like, oh man, is IG-11 coming back? But then I was like, he blew up first of all. <laughs> what if the, what, oh my God, the statue reanimates. <laughs> They put they they've saved his programming and they put it in the statue. Oh man, oh you've, heard, God, you've heard it. You've also heard that here first. <laughs> he steps off the thing. The whole series yeah. takes place in the tooth of a space whale, and IG 11s coming back as a statue. That's the so, season finale, right there. Yeah. And the statue comes <laughs> he, to life. He unexplodes like <laughs> yeah. it's a reverse explosion, and he comes back together. Otherwise, it's just like rude that they destroyed that statue so and then my favorite part of the trailer personally we cut back to a uh, little baby grogu in the the caves of the mandalorian mines and this really awesome four-eyed alien dude in a rubber suit blocks the cave entrance uh but grogu is not messing around and uses the force to push him back and like we said earlier no naps required for grogu anymore yeah he's like outgrown naps I'll, let me tell you when your kids give up naps it is like one of the most terrifying moments of your life so <laughs> Grogu giving up map is a force to be reckoned with. So no pun, but also some pun intended. Cuts to black. We get the requisite. This is the way. Everyone that constantly comments that in the Instagram comment sections goes wild. Um, (laughs) The logo comes up. What I thought was interesting about the logo, season one is like the desert sun high in the sky. Season two is dusk, twilight, like nighttime, like the sun setting. Things are darker, a little more dire. Season three is sunrise. Like the actual logo itself is the Mm. sun rising. So, you know, a new dawn, a new era of something. And it also feels very like original trilogy to me, where like the first logo is kind of the yellowish Tatooine deserty looking. Empire Strikes Back is obviously very like such a blue and purple and red and orange type movie, very dusky colors. 
very nighttime colors, mm-hmm. sunset. Um, and then obviously Return of the Jedi is very is a very lush green, like Luke's lightsaber is green. The forests mm-hmm. of Endor are mm-hmm. green. It's a new a dawning of a new era post Empire. So it seems like a hopeful message for season three. Not as not as bleak and dire for for Din and Grogu, but maybe mm-hmm. working towards yeah. something. Even though you know things obviously go to shit eventually with the First Order rising, but maybe a new era for for Mandalore going forward. So yeah, and I like that concept. I mean, and this is something I have thought about with the other movies, but I haven't really thought about it with like seasons of TV about like the color palette kind of setting the tone. So I like that reading. Um, I wonder, is it, do we think this is going to be the last season? Is it going to pivot into something else? Because that would be... I had a thought. Because yeah. remember they were trying to like build it towards that like crossover event before What's-Her-Name was like the worst person in the world mm-hmm. and they fired her. So I wonder if they scrapped that or if this is like the trilogy. You know, this is like their new way of doing trilogies. It's just like three seasons mm-hmm. and then it's something else. And we still have these characters around to be in something else. Yeah. But... I could see that. I could see that for sure. Um, I would be sad if it was the case, but I mean, again, famous last words, but it's not like these characters are going to die at the end of the season, but maybe they do. I don't know. I would highly we'll I would be surprised. I feel like what I would see is like this maybe is the conclusion of the Mandalorian as a story, but maybe we get something new that continues mm-hmm. them. Yeah. I mean, we way. saw in, in Book of Boba Fett that they can just bring Mando in anytime they want and it works. I think that for me... The tone, if I had to just guess and put money on it, I would say this is the second to last season. Personally, I feel like what they're setting up would take more than a single season to wrap up. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to wrap it up in a different way. It might be through a different series, like maybe the what happens in the Mm -hmm. Ahsoka show will wrap it up or something like that since we've already seen that crossover happen. You could do a lot in eight episodes, but what they're pitching here seems to be pretty big. So that's it for the trailer. But what do you want to see this season? What do you think? What would you most like to see going forward in Mandalorian season three? Lots of Mandalorian politics stuff. I'd like to see Bo talking more about her sister and more about like some Mandalorian culture stuff. And in general, I would like to see Din take his freaking helmet off and be done with those freaks who are trying to keep him keep him down <laughs> take the helmet off man just take it face, off pedro okay the other thing that i want to see and it was kind of like okay why isn't he in the trailer but i was hopeful that maybe you know with everything that we're getting that i want to see moff gideon come back and i want to understand what his whole fixation with mandalore is because he seems to have a very personal stake in all of this. And I just have so many questions about like what he was talking about when he was saying in season one that, you know, baby Yoda, as we knew him at the time, meant more to him than it could possibly, you could possibly understand or whatever the wording is. And how he has yep. the dark saber. We know that he played that personal role in The Night of the Thousand Tears. And it just feels like there's so much that we that I want to know about what why he cares so much about Mandalore and why he seems so personally involved in getting Grogu and also like just taking, destroying Mandalore, taking the Darksaber, all of this stuff. Like, what's your deal, man? Other than just being the bad guy. I would love to see that. I'm in the same boat. I want to see 
you know, more with the dark saber. I want to see what happens between Din and Bo-Katan big time. I also want to see the progression of Grogu and what that means, like mm-hmm. the choice that he made in Book of Boba Fett. I don't want to, I don't want that just to be like a one and done. Like I made my choice and it's over. I, I really want to see like the repercussions of choosing to be with Din over the Jedi Order and like what that means for him with the Force going forward and how that translates into the future of of Mandalore. Clones are to both of you as Grogu is to me. I just, mm-hmm. I love him. Hot take, Grogu is cute. I mean, we'll see on March 1st on Disney+. Plus. Just Disney's just got all of us out here doing their promotion for them. So uh, yeah, it releases on March 1st on Disney+. Plus. We'll see then. It's eight episodes. I can't wait, personally. We'll still be doing Bad Batch at that time, too. They're going to kill us. A Mandalorian episode and a Bad Batch episode that come out on the same what day. What are we going to so do? Really... I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to get away from Star Wars. I just there's other other franchises. I out mean, there, the, that's know? the problem with Star Wars. You it literally will not let you have a free moment. Like I try to get like decent sleep at night, and then Star Wars will not let me. I can't remember which one of you said it in the uh, talk of the clones episode, but someone said, "What must it be like to love mm-hmm. something normally?" Yeah, <laughs> and like I was a like, normal amount. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, yeah, I I I relate to that big time. So. <laughs> Um, and if you're listening to this, I'm sure you do as well. Thanks, Stephanie Allison. Thank you for being for here and us. doing this. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be here to talk about it possibly going forward. But until then, make sure to follow us at B1N1Pod. Make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Ring the bell. Give us five stars. Write a review for Apple Podcasts as well. That would be really helpful to the show and helps people find it. You know, Recommend the show to friends. We'll probably have some merch pretty soon as well. So watch out for that. New episodes coming next week as well, including the 2023 Besties, an award show celebrating the best of pop culture in 2022. We have some special guests for that one. Um, And then a mystery series coming in February based on what everyone votes on for that next series. It's either going to be John Wick, Scream, or Rocky slash Creed. So we'll see what the votes say. Um, You're voting for Magic Mike. Is that what you said? No, it's okay. Uh, no, no, no shade to Magic Mike. It's great. <laughs> what if I just devoted the rest of the year to Magic Mike? <laughs> there's only two of them. I think you'd run out of content. Oh, there's a third Magic one. There's Mike. a new one coming out. Magic Mike is expanded universe. The MCU. The Magic Mike. The MMCU. The MMCU. <laughs> Cinematic universe. It's Magic Mike's last dance is coming out this year, so you never know. But. Okay, there you go. You know what? Looking forward to that. Stay tuned for extensive coverage of the MMCU. (laughs) This has been Best One Since the Next One. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.